Welcome back to the Lynx Golf Podcast. This is one of your co-hosts, digital editor Al Lunsford, joined by my fellow co-host, Joe Passoff, and a very special guest with us today. He is the director of rules for the RNA, and his name is Grant Moyer. I hope I said that right. Uh, Grant, thank you so much for joining us. It is a very exciting year for the various open championships. Glenn Eagles for the senior. The open championship obviously is at St. Andrews for the 150th playing. And the AIG Women's Open for the first time will be at historic Muirfield, which has hosted 16 open championships in its history. Grant, again, thank you for joining us. Uh, I know I teed up your title as the director of rules, but I don't think that encompasses your entire uh, responsibility for these championships and the RNA. So I would love if you could tell us a little bit about yourself and what all it is that you do for these championships. Okay, well, thanks, Al, and for, for having me uh, today. Uh, yeah, and the, the, the day job is undoubtedly rules. That takes up the, the bulk of my time with, with the RNA involved in, in governance matters here and the rules of golf and the rules of amateur status. But when it comes to uh, our Open Championship and the, the AIG Women's Open, my responsibility is principally around uh, golf course setup for those championships. Um, so I'm heavily involved in working with our uh, host venues, with the, the greenkeeping teams there and with our uh, on-staff agronomists to just try and present a, a Lynx challenge for the world's best um, women and men players at our Opens. I know it will be the first time that the AIG Women's Open will visit Muirfield. Joe has played Muirfield and, and has quite a few uh, questions based on his experience there that we'll get to. Uh, but firstly, I know that Muirfield is considered to be commonly referred to as the fairest test of, of any open course uh, that featured that championship. Overall, uh, what is the test that Muirfield presents to the world's top players? Well, I'm just going to pick up on that point that you made about the, the fairest test. Uh, it, it is described in that way. I have to say, personally, and Muirfield is a fair test, but so, <laughs> so are all the others. Uh, it somehow sort of suggests that the others are, are, are less than fair. And the word fair in golf, I'm not sure, is ever a particularly uh, appropriate word. Um, so I think Muirfield provides a really good challenge in that, uh, you know, I'm sure, as Joe will know, having played the course, it, it's a constant change in, in direction. It's two loops of nine, one first nine going clockwise and the second anti-clockwise. And, and perhaps the, the unusual thing for a Lynx course is that you never have two holes in a row going in exactly the same the same direction, which with the wind presents its own challenge because you struggle to get to get comfortable. So I think that that is uh, you know, Muirfield is renowned for that. Um, it, it, it perhaps in comparison with with many other links venues, its fairways are relatively flat. So perhaps that's what what people uh, ascribe to the, the fairness of it, and that the bounce may not be quite so. Uh, uh, unpredictable as it is in, in other places. 
But um, so, and the other point that Muirfield is known for is it tends to be the, fer the ferocity of its, of its rough. Um, even when it's not particularly long, it seems to have a density to it that uh, provides a, a challenge. So uh, those are you know, Muirfield's qualities and, and the, the challenges that people tend to refer to when they, they think of a wonderful course. Yeah, Grant, I think that in terms of fairness and people expressing it, you know, the top players expressing it that way, um, it's not only what you just mentioned, which is entirely true, uh, Colt's brilliant rerouting of the golf course back in the late 1920s um, that gives you those different wins every hole, the relatively flattish lies that, you know, take away the freakish kinds of stances that, that might occur, um, say at another one of my favorites, Royal St. George's, but um, also the fact that there were so few, if any, blind shots. And that was such a hallmark of classic links, you know, that were built 100 and 130 and 150 years ago. Burkdale also has the reputation, if you want to put that word in quotes, fairness. But I think that's what, when you play the game for that kind of money, I think that's what it's uh, always been about. Um, for these top players is they don't feel like they're going to get bad breaks per se uh, at a course where it's mostly visible or all visible. And, uh, and Muirfield is splendid a test as it presents. It also is, is that much more of an honest test uh, to use that word in quotes. Yeah, no, you're, you're right in terms of your, your assessment as to the, how it's traditionally been been viewed by by the professional golfers. Um, yeah, I think as I was told when I was growing up playing the links, the, the holes blind only once. So uh, once sure. you, as soon as you familiarise yourself with the course, it's no longer it's no longer blind, and it's it's always funny when you take people to your if your home course has blind holes and, and you're taking people there for the first time and trying to explain what's what's over the hill uh, and it's so familiar in your own in your own head um, so I think that, that part part of preparing for for links golf is is ensuring that you're comfortable with these uh, uh, unusual features but as you say you, you can get comfortable on your field perhaps um, a bit more quickly than you can on some of the other great links courses. We have not seen, or I guess the last time the men's open was at Muirfield was in 2013. Uh, things are set up a little bit differently, obviously for the men than the women, uh, for the AIG women's open. How do you see the course being different, uh, from a strategic standpoint? Um, do you, do you know what the yardage and par will be uh, and uh, what key differences will, will someone viewing the tournament be able to notice uh, between 2013 and, and 2022? Yeah, we, we, we tend to try and keep things fairly, fairly simple when it, when it comes to setup. I mean, really what we're trying to do is bring the same features and the same challenges uh, uh, to the four that we do for men, for, for the women when we're visiting same venues. So we we have a, a yardage that's looking like being around about 6,680. We're playing it as a par 71, uh, which is the norm. 
And, and really, the first thing that we do would be to stand on the tees and say, well, at what yardage do we think we're bringing these fairway bumpers into play? Um, and, and we look to, as I say, present pretty much the same challenge for, for the women as we would for the men. Um, and and just accentuate the, the features of the of the course. So it's it's not really all that complicated and the principles are very similar. Grant, you know, when talking about setup, um, you know, something I, I thought about was, you know, the technique among the top women golfers has improved immeasurably over the last generation. Um, amazing to watch some of these women play the way they do and, and, uh, and go low in scoring, but they're not quite equal to the men in terms of physical strength, pure physical strength. How does that factor into the height and the density, as you mentioned, of the rough uh, that will be presented? Yeah, well, you know, certainly uh, we have looked to, to manage the rough in, in conjunction with you know, Colin Irvin, the course manager of Muirfield, uh, and that, that does tend to be about um, looking at things a few years in advance and, and planning to ensure that it's not, if you like, at its worst. And particularly, the, it sounds obvious, but the area is closer to the, to the fairway. I mean, I think if, if, if you hit it miles offline, um, whether you're playing in the AIG Women's Open or, or a previous Open, then you're going to, you're going to have some trouble. But certainly the, the, the rough closer to the fairways is, is nicely managed. Um, the, the other thing, the one thing that we do notice is there is probably greater accuracy and less in the way of wild tee shots with the, the women than we, than we get with the, the men. And one thing that we haven't changed um, you know, over many years um, in working with, with uh, the Honourable Company, we haven't changed any fairway widths. They're going to be the same. They're, 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 they're uh, reasonable. We're not, we don't narrow. And um, so, so I think that there is, there's ample room. Um, we would have a tendency to use a sort of two-cut uh, rough, uh, a shortcut around 35 millimeters, and then um, a slightly longer cut around 75 before you go into the, if you like, unmanaged grassland of the uh, of the thicker rough beyond that. And uh, you mentioned that the width of the fairways has not changed. Um, what is that width that will play for the championship? You know, we we don't we don't really measure the widths of fairways. They, they, they're all different. It just depends on the on the on the hole. Um, it's not something that we we spend a lot of time agonising over. Uh, I, I think it, it, they will vary between you know, some holes. Will will be very wide. I think of the likes of um, fairways on the, the third hole. And, um, and elsewhere that are wide, and then you've got you've got narrower fairways that probably not huge amount more than thirty yards. But I couldn't say that I know the widths of all of the fairways that the, the, we just haven't really focused too much on them because it's it's as per usual as far as we're concerned. Yeah, I think it's something that we compared with our U.S. Opens because for many years, you know, it was. Uh, taking a classic course oftentimes and narrowing the fairways in order to emphasize accuracy, precision off the tee, even though that may have gone against the very strategies that the architect had presented 
you know, to the membership and for regular play. That was always a tough thing to kind of, you know, yes, we want to make sure the best players in the world are hitting the best shots at the right time. But, you know, you have a, a golf course essentially narrowed, as somebody once put it, we have to walk single file down these fairways that they were so narrow. So, you know, typically I think of the 1999 Open Championship at Carnoustie, you know, was was certainly one of the punish, most punishing of all time in terms of setup. But by the same token, that hasn't been much of a problem over recent years in your course setups. No, um, it, 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 it hasn't been. I mean, the other thing that, uh, that the fairways was they, they're not narrowed, they're narrowed if they're firm. Uh, so, so that's a factor. You think about Carnistia uh, a few couple of years back when they were running very uh, fast, uh, and obviously that presents its own challenge. And, and Muirfield, the, the year that Phil Mickelson won back in, in 2013, obviously the... Uh, the, the fairways were extremely, it was a very, very burnt out open uh, and, and that provided the challenge there as well. So the, we tend to find that it swings and roundabouts. If you're hitting the ball a long way off the tee because it's firm and fast, well, then in effect, the fairways are narrowed. Um, and if it's a bit softer, the course is playing a bit longer. And if you miss the fairway, there's more trouble to be had because the rough's a bit juicier. So it, it, it gives with one hand and takes away with the other. Absolutely. If we do see a repeat of that kind of uh, weather, like the last time the men's open was played there, what, what kind of player does that then favor for the AIG women's open? If we're seeing really firm, uh, warm, fast conditions. Well, I am notoriously terrible at, at uh, working out which player might win our various championships. So, but I mean, cl clearly, if they're if if they're fast and balls running a long way, then then perhaps it means that there's a, a greater chance for for people that perhaps don't hit the ball quite quite so far. But uh, but then. But then it becomes harder to control the ball and the spin with the shots into the, the greens becomes all important. So I think it it, it, it again it, you can it's hard to it's hard to uh, predict which players deal with with uh, those types of challenges the best. I'm gonna steal one of Joe's questions here since I have them right in front of me, just available <laughs> for the picking, but. Um... In terms of a one place or, or places you might not want to find yourself on the course at Muirfield, maybe a particular bunker, uh, where does one not want to be? Ooh, so many places. Uh, it's good. That's it's, it's, it's a good question. I, I like the fact that you're uh, focusing on the negative. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's, um, I would say uh, the bunkers around 13 uh, are clearly that are tough spots to be in. And I think back to, to Ernie Els when he won his Open Championship there and uh, managing to, to wrestle with that challenge. But, uh, and there are some, some tricky runoffs um, around the par threes as well that make up and downs very hard. But the bunkers are 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 stern, um, but certainly the the rough is 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 can be tricky, and, and controlling the ball from the rough is is tough. But I think the thing with 
Muirfield, and, I, and I'm not sure if, if Joe would agree with me here, but it's just a solid test all the way round. It's just a it's a consistently good set of, of holes, and uh, it's more that you know, it, it builds and it continues to test uh, rather than thinking any one hole in particular is 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 brutally more difficult than than others. It's just a set of challenging uh, challenging holes. Well, Grant, I'm going to agree with you. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and one of the reasons I agree, I mean, in, in my time there, certainly uh, that makes sense. But I, I did a story a few years ago with uh, your 1973 Open champion, Tom Weisskopf. And, uh, and I wrote this down. I mean, I, I published it and then, and then I had it handy for today. And he said that he, he said, Muirfield is the links I love most. Uh, and of course, he won his Open at Royal Troon. And he loves the old course. He based the concept of the drivable par four when, uh, from his experiences at St. Andrews. But what he said about Muirfield, he said, you've got nice change of elevation, great bunkering, great natural features, and it's a great walk. It's about as tough a starting hole as there is, yet the whole course offers the perfect balance between toughness and forgiveness. There are just as many holes that go right to left as left to right. So it's a layout that doesn't favor any one type of player. This is the ultimate championship test. Very well put. And I think that's why it's been as popular as it has been when it shows up on the Rota. And, um, you know, the, the women are going to find, you know, equally charmed unless they hit it in the rough. Yeah, and I think that's what's so exciting about uh, this year's AIG Women's Open. And, and it continues the theme of, of of the last few years, where we've we've you know, we're ensuring world class venues, um, uh, and it's particularly exciting to be going to Muirfield for the for the first time, and and that's really been a feature of of the RNA's collaboration with AIG, looking to to elevate the, the prestige of this championship, and uh, uh, it, it was great last year at Carnoustie. I think they. The, the women coined the phrase, I think, was it the beautiful beast or something, something <laughs> of that nature? And they appreciated the, the challenge of it, but but also the fact that it, um, you know, it, it, it's such a terrific course. And, and I'm sure that some other phrase will be coined for, for Muirfield this year. And uh, I, I think everybody's going to love the experience. You know, uh, Al, if I may, Grant, turning to the rules very quickly, I got to know uh, a fellow named David Bonsall uh, a few years back. And <clears throat> I know David and, and some of your, some of your comrades were on the scene. One of the greatest rule situations of all time in a major back when Jordan Spieth was uh, walking about uh, in 2017. How have the rules now that the RNA and the USGA have combined how have the rulings and rules changed in administration since that has happened? Well, I mean, we've been working, we've been working as a joint governing body for the rules with the USGA for, for a very, very long time. Um, but certainly I um, was fortunate to be part of the group along with, with David Bonsall and, and many others that were involved with the modernization of the, the rules of golf, which came to fruition in, in 2019. And 
What I would say is the most telling thing since then is not what has happened, but it's what hasn't happened. And there has been such a reduction in the number of, if you like, penalties and controversies. I mean, it's a sport and there are always going to be things that arise with, with the rules as they do in all sports and golf, as we well know, is is it's a complicated game in terms of its playing field uh, and, and the unending uh, circumstances that can arise on a golf course. But we removed so many of the complexities and the uh, what had turned out to be unnecessary penalties. And so we think we've, we've, we have achieved uh, ensuring that, that the golf and the playing of the game is is the story much more often than the rules uh, are the story. And I think that that's something that we are all very, very pleased about. Uh, as I say, it doesn't mean that there won't be rules matters that will arise and, and they do at every, at every championship. But um, certainly that's been the, uh, one of the great legacies of the rules modernization process. Whether or not that a certain rules situation comes to mind for you, I'd love to know just over the years. I know you've been with the RNA since 1994 uh, and all of the championships you've attended. What's what have been some of your favorite or most memorable moments just in this in this role? I have to imagine it's something that I don't know if you always dreamed of being (laughs) Uh, on staff at the RNA, but uh, it's, a, it's a pretty cool gig, I would say. Uh, well, I, I, I've been very fortunate and very privileged to to uh, be working with the RNA for such a long period of time. And uh, but it's funny that um, I think you, you mentioned about favorite situations. I, I don't know whether it's just my mentality, but I just seem to remember all of the all of the really awkward and, and horrible situations. <laughs> <laughs> Rather, rather than rather than the favourites, um, things like being first on the, the scene at the recorder's office when there was the uh, scorecard incident with Mark Rowe and Jesper Parnovic back in the day, that was a uh, obviously highly unfortunate situation. But I think one of the things that that sticks in my mind is a probably as a favourite, and it's a combination of rules, maybe course setup, competition administration. Uh, and it's the 2014 Open at Royal Liverpool, which you recall was won by, by Rory McIlroy. But uh, we have um, stuck with the, the tradition at the Open Championship of a, of a 1T start, and that's something that uh, is set to continue. But we did, on the Saturday there, have a when it was a Friday that we had a huge discussion about the weather forecast on the Saturday and everything was pointing to there being you know, very severe storms in, the, in the, the late afternoon. And we took the sort of momentous decision after much discussion, as you can imagine, to go for a 2T start uh, on the Saturday and put all of those wheels in, in motion. And of course, we did that, uh, and and we're all staring at the weather forecaster, um, saying, "Okay, when are these storms coming?" And <laughs> and, and they were they didn't seem to be materializing, and uh, you know, and that's the nature of weather. But uh, um, the round was finished. Uh, it was finished earlier than obviously people had expected, 
and uh, there had been no storms and Rory McElroy was sat in the media tent about uh, media centre about 15 minutes after he had uh, holed out and he was asked whether he thought the RNA had made the right decision and just at that moment there was this large clap of thunder and all of a sudden the heavens absolutely opened and there was mass sort of flooding around the golf course unfortunately for our staging teams around the car parks and the like but uh and he just looked up and he said yeah i, I think they made the right decision and um, <laughs> that was that was probably one of the, the the better moments as it were rather than me uh dwelling on all of the the, the uh, negatives that have happened over the years well not to dwell on the negative, but here I am. Um, and and it, uh, it goes with a question that I had about this upcoming AIG Women's Open, which is, first part of the question is, uh, how will the speed and firmness of the greens, maybe you can't control the firmness, but maybe you can. How will the speed of the greens uh, relate in this setup to what the men might face? And then I have a follow-up. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, the, the speed of the greens will will not be significantly different. As you will well know, we are uh, we have to be very mindful of of the wind. I mean, we need the greens to be at a certain speed to to ensure that uh, it's possible to to putt on them, but uh, in, in a reasonable way. But we've always got our eye on the on the weather forecast and the wind forecast. So you know, we tend to hover around this ten and a half on the stint meter type of speed, uh, and we can go uh, up or down from there depending on on what we're faced with weather-wise. And it would be unlikely that that there's much of a difference bet between um, our our approach for for men and women uh, on that. the The firmness of the greens is something that. Uh, we would have a slightly different approach. Um, and that goes back again, just goes back to, to the spin and uh, the, the, the control. So we would tend, uh, all things being equal, if we're in complete control of, of firmness, which is, you know, we wish we were, but we, we aren't always. Um, we, we would certainly have them bouncier and firmer for, for the men and, and just, just we talk about our agronomists have this uh, these tools that they they use to measure firmness and it measures in gravities. So uh, uh, yeah, we kind of know what our what our target is for the, the women, and it, and it is it is a bit it is a bit it certainly isn't soft, uh, far from soft, but it just isn't as as firm as it, as we would be looking for uh, in an Open Championship. Okay, um, the follow up question was related to the challenges that, that you have along with um, the course manager, uh, with your whole team, in terms of how to get the best speed to challenge the world's best players, yet be cognizant that if they get too fast with too much wind, it might not be playable. Um, you know, the example of what happened at the old course in 2015 where play had to be suspended because the ball wouldn't stay still on the green. Um, how much pressure is there on you to go right to the limit of speed and firmness and yet be cognizant that in your part of the world, the wind can play havoc with those best laid plans? 
Yeah, there, there's not a pressure to go to go to the 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 edge or the limit. That that certainly isn't something that we uh, tend to do. Um, but there are steps that we can take, but you they they have they can't be just be taken in a morning. Uh, you have to to be looking at things certainly a few days in advance. The steps that you can take to try and ensure that you can continue play even in significantly windy conditions. But then there comes a point where where um, it, it simply is going to be too windy to play almost no matter what you you do. And and the the, the Open Championship in, in 2015 is a is a very good example of that and what we what we know uh, and we know this because we've collected all the wind data for the the old course um, over a, a number of years is that over the summer months any strength that you get uh, in the wind comes out of that sort of south southwesterly direction and that means it's blowing straight across the Eden estuary with absolutely nothing getting in its way. And it's blowing right down the 11th and 7th greens and a number of other uh, very exposed greens on the course. And, and even you know, taking all of the various measures, like you know, not, cutting, not cutting the greens of a morning, not doing anything to them the night before, it, it, it simply um, isn't, isn't possible to get balls to, to stay at rest there. So, so we do as much as we can, and our, our target is always to try and keep play, play going. But uh, when you, there are certain courses, Birkdale is an example where it's more sheltered. Now, you might have wind up high that's 40 miles an hour, and we've, we've been able to continue play at Birkdale in, in 40 miles per hour uh, in the past, although it was right on the edge. But somewhere like the old course in St Andrews, where there is there is far less protection, as soon as you're hitting 30s, uh, and certainly when you're up around 35 miles per hour coming out of that southwesterly direction, it, it is just very very hard to to get balls to remain at rest in the greens, and and you you have to take the the decision that's necessary for the uh, um, for the championship and the. And to ensure that it doesn't become ridiculous. Obviously, you mentioned St. Andrews, and everyone's talking about St. Andrews right now. <clears throat> and you talked a little bit about the commitment of the RNA to bring the AIG Women's Open to these prestigious venues, um, your field included. Uh, St. Andrews will host a third in 2024. Um, you're also currently have announced. Um, Walton Heath as the 2023 venue, Great Heathland layout that has hosted some other high-profile events, and 2025 at Royal Porth Call. In terms of that commitment to bringing the ladies to the the best venues and playing these recognizable open venues, but also getting to see some of these really great courses in the British Isles that don't get that kind of exposure. Uh, how important is it to to take the women to this kind of broader spectrum of of course availability than what would be normally seen on the the rota, but at the same time taking them to the same place that everybody knows? Yeah, I think it's just it's a it's a great combination. It's a, it's a great um, 
uh, set of venues that we've got over the coming years. I was down at Walton Heath last week and have been visiting there regularly um, over the last couple of years and very, very excited to, to be going there. As you say, it's such a great Heathland venue. Uh, it's it's great to have a, a, a venue in, you know, in London that, that will uh, near that centre of population and, and, and ensure that that uh, the women's game is is exposed to uh, people in that in that area and hopefully that will generate you know, huge huge crowds um, and we're really excited about that I have to say um, and and it's nice as well to to move away from the the links to move inland. Um, but I, I don't know if you're if you're familiar with the course, but uh, it's just got it's such a wonderful piece of land. It's got 36 holes there, so we're playing mostly uh, the holes from the old. But it is a composite course, so we've got a, a couple of holes from the the new in there, and um, I think it will be hugely enjoyed by by all of the players. And then. Uh, to come back to the old course in 24 is is, is terrific. And then Porth Column 25, another wonderful uh, links that I've had the, the pleasure of being involved in a number of, of championships there, Walker Cup, amateur championships. So yeah, it's really, really exciting. And, and as you say, it, it's that continuation of our, of our desire to ensure that um, this championship, the IG Women's Championship, is, is played in, in great venues that, that the world's best women will thoroughly enjoy. And speaking of enjoying and lineups and the various places the Open Championships uh, have gone, Grant, I'd love to know, you know, personally or from a, 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 a viewership standpoint, if you're just watching the Open or the AIG Women's Open, what have been your, your favorite venues uh, maybe either to play or to watch and then as well following up on that we talk about how the AIG visits uh, some different courses than the men's open rota what course might you like to see one day host uh, a men's open championship that hasn't before right well let, let me go back to your 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 first question um I think all of the all of our open courses have a have a have a special place for me. Uh, one one thing that I tend I find and I find it fascinating is that every time we go back to to a venue, I like it more uh, when when I go back, and I think that it's that it's that experience of discovering new things about golf courses that you thought you knew. And I, I just tend to find that they, they, my fondness for them grows uh, each time that, that we revisit. And quite often my favorite is the one that we're just, we're, we're currently working on because that's the one that you, you feel emotionally invested in. But for me, I, I, I think that the old course is my um, favorite venue, and I know that that would be a, a popular it would be a popular answer. But I think that just the the the, the fact that it in terms of course setup on the old course, 
the fact that the, the, the hole can change so dramatically simply based on, on where you actually position the hole itself um, and the options and the variety you have on the old course in terms of setup. And also just the emotional connection that, that people have with the old course when they're visiting and when you're, if you're out there in the, the evening and, and play is finished and the, the, the fans have the opportunity to walk around the, the home end and to see people brushing the grass with uh, uh, just to, to feel it and that spiritual connection that, that people feel with St Andrews when they either are returning or they're, they're there for the first time it's certainly the atmosphere is uh, very very special so um, the old course is a, is a special place for me all right. Yeah. If you're strolling around town during the Open Championship, well, let's say it's after the Open Championship. Um, do you have a favorite uh, restaurant and a favorite pub? That. <laughs> and I'd like to actually ask that same question from your field too. I know uh, around there, I, I went to Gullen for the Lady Scottish Open, um, charming little town as well. Um, so. Same question if you're going to go either to St. Andrews or, or over to Muirfield. Well, I didn't really think that this was going to stray into my uh, my favorite pubs. Um, <laughs> you had to know. That's what you get with me. Yep. Uh, well, I, um, yeah, whilst I was born in St. Andrews, I was brought up and, and still live in a village called uh, London Links, um, which is about... 10 miles from St Andrews and we've got a great little local pub down in Lower Largo called The Railway. So that's uh, that's probably my favourite pub, but in St Andrews we're, we're spoiled for choice, but I do like the Central. Um, and uh, I'm with you in, in, in Gullen, I, um, I, like the, I like the clubhouse. Um, so yeah, but I'm not terribly fussy. I'll take my pints wherever I can get them. To be <laughs> that's a great answer. Yeah. Well, Grant, uh, uh, this shouldn't make the podcast, but um, when I, my wife and I were uh, over for the open in 2010 and um, having a tough time finding accommodations and uh, had an old friend uh, called Malcolm Campbell, uh, who knew someone, the proprietor at the London Lynx Hotel and uh, found us a, a lovely room there. We hopped on the bus early in the morning to go over to the golf course but uh, enjoyed our stay immensely uh, there at the London Links. Yeah, very good. Well, Ma yeah, Malcolm is a, is a member at London as well. As, uh, so, yeah, that, yeah, if you can, yeah, the bus over the hill there is quite, is, is nice and, and short as well. So uh, it's, I'm pleased to, uh, pleased to hear you've experienced <laughs> my home village and you'll be welcome back anytime. Well, thank you very much. And of course, uh, Malcolm uh, co-authored a book with the Lynx magazine editor, George Pepper, called uh, The Lynx, All the World's Lynx Courses. And it's a wonderful reference guide from two passionate fellows who know their way around the Lynx. It, it is. It's terrific. I actually have a, a signed copy of, uh, of that, that book. So it's, yeah, it's, a, it's a beautiful piece of work. Absolutely. Al, that's all I've got. Grant, that's all I have. Luckily for us, we've come completely full circle with that, with the signed copy from our editor on his book. And it's been a pleasure to have you today, Grant. Uh, we really appreciate, appreciate your insights. 
look forward to seeing you and uh, the rest of your team's work here as we enter into open championship season. Uh, it is wonderful that the AIG Women's Open will be played at Muirfield again for the first time. Look forward to seeing Muirfield back to host the Men's Open as well at some point in the future. Thank you so much, Grant. And uh, we hope not to see too much of you out there uh, on television with any rules fiascos or things happening, but maybe we'll catch a glimpse of, of your face as well. Um, but thank you again. Well, thank you for the opportunity. It's uh, I've enjoyed speaking with you. Guys.